This is a chapter we're going to deal with right now. I'm going to read it for you. That growing up, I, 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 this was like my, the, the thorn in my flesh, James chapter 3. And I'll explain that story after I read uh, James chapter 3. Uh, humor me today. and Why don't we stand up as we read God's word? It's kind of fun to do. And it shows respect for it. Huh? How about that? Let's read the, the entire chapter. It's not long. We'll, we'll buzz through it here. James chapter 3 says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, real quick here, the teaching point. James may be talking about teachers like Josh and I, okay? But at the same time, in the first century, when they had church together, right? We read in, in the Corinthians where it talked about that sometimes two or three might teach together, okay? So this could be specifically to a teacher or teachers like that, but could also just mean, listen, in the church in general, know that we need to watch what we say and just how important this teaching is and what comes out of our mouth. And then James gets deeper into it as we go through chapter three, verse three. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself and is itself set on fire by hell. Man, oh man, we're not even halfway through the book. It's getting pretty aggressive, all right? All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. <coughs> Excuse me. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig bear, uh, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can, salt spring, can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes down from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray that you would teach us tonight, instruct us. I pray that you would inspire us. And I pray that uh, we would um, live and love and speak more like you as a result of, uh, of what you say to us tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab a seat. So in high school, I hated this scripture. I don't know if I, that's strong. That's, you know what? That's strong. My wife is trying to help me with my, see, it's my tongue already. It's got me in trouble, right? We're 30 seconds into the sermon. I didn't hate this, this scripture. I, it just, it, it beat me up all the way through high school. And so what I want to do tonight is unpack this. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, okay? I'm going to talk about the power of your tongue, okay? Then I'm going to talk about the problem, like the root of that problem. And then I'm going to try to hit us at the end with the solution of it, okay? So we're going to talk about the power of the tongue, okay? The, the, the actual problem of it, right? The power, the problem of it, where its root is, and then how we actually fix that. And for me, as, as in high school, 
uh, it may be junior high too, it's hard to say. I had a problem and it was that I had a filthy mouth and I cussed a lot. Like not at church and not by my parents, but that was a pastor's kid. Obviously we can't cuss at home and we can't cuss around mom and dad, but like baseball field, football field, or by myself playing Nintendo, right? If like something went negative in Bike or Tech Mobile, you know what I mean? Or playing cat, you know, it means one of those old school games. You know what I mean? If you're over 35 years old, you know what I'm talking about, right? Or maybe some Sega Genesis. Not only would I throw my control on the ground, which I now scold my own boys for when they throw their control. And then, and then my wife's like, well, wonder where they get it, right? I'm like, I don't know, honey, you need to pray about that. Um, just kidding. It's for me. But I, I'm not proud of it. I'm just saying I had a filthy mouth and I would pray and pray. Oh, Jesus, help me tame my tongue. Help me tame my tongue, Jesus. And I realized the issue wasn't my tongue. The issue was that around sixth grade, uh, gangster rap really took off in Los Angeles area, right? And, uh, and I was in Arizona, grew up in Arizona, and it got to us prior to getting to you guys here, I'm sure. And uh, I really liked it. And so what I realized is two things. I did that, and then my buddy and I, uh, he had a, a VHS copy of Eddie Murphy Raw. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that movie. We probably shouldn't see the movie. But I used to go to my buddy's house. I'm not, listen, Pastor Darren is not telling you things you should do. This is a tale of things you should not do. I'm just being honest with you tonight, okay? And we would watch Eddie Murphy Raw almost every weekend to the point where I had the whole thing basically memorized. And what's scary is there's times I still notice some different comedic type of speaking things that I do. Basically me just trying to be Eddie Murphy. Okay, it's not positive. But I figured out that one of the reasons I couldn't stop cussing in baseball and playing video games was because I was filling my mind with filthy language all the time. When I stopped the input of filth, some of the output actually stopped. But here's the thing that bothered me as I thought about this this week. In all of the prayer and all of the agony and Jesus help me tame my tongue, this was all about me using cultural cuss words, which are not positive and don't probably have a place in a Christian's life. But here's the thing. I don't remember once ever shedding a tear calling out to God and praying that he would help me to stop gossiping and slandering and using my tongue to destroy or hurt other people. And here's, here's the issue with that, guys. I've been a pastor for a lot of years and I grew up in the church because my dad's a pastor. And I've seen churches split. I've seen small groups disintegrate. I've seen long-term friends stop being friends and no longer hanging out. I've watched marriages completely crumble and, and, and fall apart. I've watched massive pain to relationships happen time and time again in the church. And not once has the reason that that began to happen was because somebody in those friendships used too many curse words. 
But to this week, I'm driving in my car, I'm listening to Caleb, I do that sometimes, and they're doing a movie review about this movie review that's coming out. And it was a movie review about some, some American history stuff that had to do with, with oppression and racism and some pretty powerful things in our culture. And they were saying, this is a phenomenal film. And people, the story behind it, it's inspirational, it's correctional, it's things that we really need to see and deal with as a culture. But then at the end of the review, they said, but we, we, we're gonna discourage people from seeing it because it has some pretty strong language. And I'm not, listen, let me say what I'm not saying, okay? Because Josh told me to say this because he doesn't want any emails from you guys, okay? I am not saying that having a filthy mouth and using four-letter words or whatever words is good for the Christian community and we should do it often, okay? I am not saying that. Here is my issue. Basically, what I received from Caleb in that moment is as a Christian, the thing that I should be really concerned about and probably not engage in is something because there are some cultural curse words being said in it. But what I've never heard, never heard, I've never heard someone discourage me from seeing a movie or watching a show or being around something because it's filled with gossip and slander and backbiting and lying and and, and, and arrogant speech. And the content of the language and what is being said is rarely our concern. If what if the we as a Christian community became more, became as, not even more, what if we came as passionate about how we speak to each other and whether we're gossiping, slander, tearing each other down, the content of our communication together, if we became as passionate about that as we are about not using four-letter words? And you say, well, we don't care that much about it. Yes, we do, okay? Because you have Christian friends, or maybe you're one of them, right? But you're like, you know, I used to use curse words, but man, now I follow Jesus. And so what I, what I do to honor the Lord is I don't, I don't say the whole cuss word anymore. I just take the first letter of the cuss word and I just use it. Because I don't have a clean mouth. Like, as if Jesus is like, oh, wow. He just said it was the S word. He's just the A word. Like, like, sometimes we just have to take a look at what we're doing and realize how crazy it is. We feel good and like we have a clean mouth. And how about this? Tell me you don't do this. Don't raise your hand because we'll be embarrassed. But it's, you know, it's just us tonight, right? Tell me you haven't had a friend at work. You found out that they were a Christian. But then you went out for drinks after work, maybe at lunch. And they dropped the F-bomb. And you thought to yourself, well, I mean, they they might know Jesus, but I mean, they're probably not in a discipleship huddle. (laughs) I I mean, we do. We get really bent out of shape when we use cultural curse words. Not saying we should. But I'm saying we could go to other English-speaking cultures and use one of our curse words, and they go, yeah, it means nothing in our culture. And they would have cultural cuss words that they would say, and we go, I've never heard that word before. Oh, that's a big deal. We don't say that in church over here in England. Right? And I'm not saying let's start having filthy mouths and cuss. What I am saying is, I think it's about time, let's just say for me, I think it's about time for me that I become as sensitive to my language and how I talk to you 
or about you as I do anything else. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will destroy my heart and my soul and my strength. You guys know this. Think about it right now. Think about that fight you had back like 10 years ago in your marriage and you guys still bring it up because you said some stuff that was real hurtful. And you're thinking to yourself, why did I say that? Or maybe it's positive. There's some things that you said to each other or to a brother or sister or somebody and, 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 and you built them up and you felt great about it. Our words are so powerful. I can remember right now in th- like third grade, Mr. McDevitt was my third grade teacher and I can close my eyes and see him in front of me right now with, the, with my math, with the uh, times tables flashcards. And he was so encouraging. He called me D. He's like, come on, D, you could do it. You could do it. You could faster, faster, come on. And he would, and, and like somehow, and I've talked before about how often I failed math in, in, in school, right? But third grade, I was a rock star in math. And a lot of it was because of the words and the belief of Mr. McDevitt. I can remember my senior year of high school playing varsity baseball. I can remember a play where in an away game, I'm playing second base, battling for a starting job. I got to actually start that game. Ball hit hard at the middle. I'm trying to get around it this way so I can make sure I get in front of the ball. But I should have known playing second base that a right-handed hitter, the ball's going to be spinning away from me. So I should have set up knowing that the ball's going to bounce and come this way. But I didn't think about that. So I went this way hard. The ball hit, shot that way. I look stupid. Air, inning goes bad. I walk back to the dugout. I can hear it right now. I come into the dugout and my coach, Deuce, was his name. He said, early wine? said, you whine and complain about starting time, and I give you a shot, and look what you do. That's why you don't start. Sit down. And I felt about this big. I'm telling you a story about a sentence that was said to me in 1995. And did you notice that my coach didn't cuss? but his words broke me. Our words are powerful. Here's the deal though. The problem isn't here. The root of the problem with our tongues is right here. Our heart. That's what James is talking about. And James didn't figure this out on his own. He heard his older brother, Jesus, talk about it. And Jesus talked about this a lot. Matthew 12, Jesus says this, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. Wait a second, Jesus. As a massive extrovert that speaks way too much, I dislike what Jesus just had to say. Give an account for all my words. Jesus, are you kidding me? Some of you introverts are like, I don't mind that. I only say about six words a day. <laughs> Most of them are kind of grunts. or just, like, yeah, uh-huh. right, you know? But you know what? It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or extrovert because I've been around some, some introverts that only speak about six words a day, but sometimes the six words they say have amazing power to build up or sometimes amazing power to tear down. The root problem is right here. 
Jesus goes on, he talks about in Matthew 15, he says this. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. See, sticks and stones may break my bones, but my words can destroy you. Here's what happens, guys, in our words. The problem is in our heart. And what, 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 what lurks in our heart, in the dark places of our heart, is things like brokenness, things like insecurity, things like fear, things like shame. And, and, and these are the things that we don't like to talk about. They're in the shadow places of our heart. Many of the wounds that you carry in your heart today were actually because of the words of someone in your past. And you feel broken and hurt. And what happens is you begin to feel insecure or you begin to feel scared or unsafe or, 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 or smaller or less than or shameful. And what happens is we begin to use our words as weapons to secure our sense of safety. And words, words were never meant to be weapons. In our society, we can talk about taming the tongue, but I want to take a minute here and dive in. I forgot this in the last service, and now I'm bummed. They kind of got gypped. This is a really good part of the sermon. I kind of forgot about it. We might need to tame our tongues, but we really need to. I had to search the dictionary for a good word that rhymed with, with P. We need to preclude our posts. Because we do a lot more damage today, guys, not with this, but with these. And with these, same root problem, it's all coming from here, but here's the dangerous part. Half the stuff that we say to people on Facebook, we wouldn't be caught dead saying to someone's face. Sometimes I read some people's Facebook posts and I'm like, who are these people? And then I realize, oh, it's us. It's just we've got enough electronic courage to get behind our computer and forget that you're a human being created in the image of God. And so I say whatever I want. And here's what I think it is. Tell me if I'm reading from the message paraphrase, verses 13 and 15, 13 through 15 of James chapter 3. Tell me if this doesn't completely describe Facebook. Listen to this. Do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? That right there, I think that is what Facebook is. I'm amazed at how, how do we know so much about so much these days? Are you amazed at how many of your friends you talk to? It's like, bro, you can't even really commit, like complete a whole sentence when we're at work. But all of a sudden you became an expert on political, social, economic situations around the world. And the racial situation in America. Oh, and you also know about healthcare. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize you were doing a lot of study in that. Oh, you know about, it's like we, on Facebook, it's like we know so much about so much. But in reality, we know a little about a little. But I read something, I'm like, well, that kind of sounds, yeah. <laughs> Share. <laughs> Is that true? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I just read it. It sounded like it was wise. And I just feel stupid a lot, so I shared it. Do you want to be counted wise? Yeah, we do. You know why? Because in our hearts, the root of the problem with our tongue and our fingertips is we feel insecure and small. And we have pain in there. We gotta, I got to get this out. Because, so, yeah, I want to feel wise. I want to build a reputation for wisdom. Well, James says this. Here's what we want you to do. Live well 
and live wisely. Watch this last one. Live humbly. I love the way the message says this. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Listen to this. Listen, tell me this doesn't sound like Facebook. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the best of others, things, listen to this, Things fall apart and everyone ends up at others' throats. America. James says, but listen, real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessing, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only, only, only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. hard work. I think we as a Christian community need to take some time with Jesus and say, Jesus, I got an issue here in my heart and I feel insecure and unsure about some things. And, um, I don't say it much because I'm, I'm actually wise enough not to say it out of my mouth sometimes, but I'm getting real arrogant with my fingertips. And I think we as Christians have a role within the social fabric of our country to build and not destroy with our words. But how does it happen in public? How does it happen face to face? Well, it happens with two weapons that we love to use, gossip and slander. We don't talk about it a lot. And I'm not trying to be mean right now. I didn't say this in the first service, and I'll tell my wife that I said it tonight, and I probably won't say it in the next two services tomorrow. But guys, we've got some things that we really struggle with, and we could preach a lot of sermons on guys and our issues. Okay? But ladies, I've lived long enough to know right now that these two are kind of your guys' bread and butter. Okay? Gossip and slander. I've been around enough broken Christian community in my life that really breaks my heart, and, and I'm and like, I'm being fair, because guys, sometimes when I preach, I'll smack you guys in the face a little bit, okay, and get a little tough. Ladies, I've had a lot of things I've watched disintegrate in friendships recently, and just recently, I just mean in my life, and, and the sad part is a lot of times it has to do with ladies that can't figure out how to get together and, and love each other well. And it usually starts by gossiping and slandering each other. So what is gossip, Darren? Well, gossip is casual. So you're just hanging out. 
is casual, unconstrained conversation or reports, reports about other people typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Like, I don't know this is true, but I mean, I heard about it. I mean, I'm just thinking about it. I mean, because you know sometimes. Like, you know you're gossiping when you say, like, have you ever been talking to somebody and like you're gossiping about somebody else that's not there? So you're saying things about this person. Could be true, couldn't be true. Or maybe it's true. It's not very flattering for them. You're talking about them and that person's facial expression changes and you go, oh my gosh, are they behind me right now? You know you're probably gossiping when that happens. Or slander. This is a good one too, right? Slander is the action or crime. It's actually a crime of making false spoken statements damaging to a person's reputation. Here's how slander happens a lot in our Christian communities, guys. Slander happens when we begin judging people's intentions behind their actions. I see this. I don't know what the intention of their heart was, but I'm disinterpreting the action and I'm going to make a judgment of what their intention was and then report that negatively to someone else. But it tastes good, doesn't it? Proverbs says this, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. Oh, give me some gossip. What do you know that I don't know? Like we have... Entire industries dedicated just to gossip. We realize that, right? Like, you, like Entertainment Tonight or like TMZ, it's just video gossip. That's all it is. Twitter, often just gossip. But I don't know the last time I saw somebody just really getting bent out of shape about gossip. Now the F word, we, gotta, we cannot have that. We can gossip about each other. We just don't use any cuss words in it. Like, we laugh, but think about it. You could be in a conversation in Christian community, and someone could be gossiping, and you go, oh, really? I didn't know. I, I don't really like her anyway. And walk away and be fine. But if someone dropped the F-bomb in that same sentence, you'd walk away and be like, I was hanging out with Stacy, and she uses cuss well, what did she say when she said it? Well, she was telling me about how Tracy is probably cheating on her husband. We don't know, but we think. So Tracy might be cheating on her husband. I think. I don't know. Oh. Did she really use the F-bomb? Oh. Well, I got to text, I gotta text, text Julie about this. Julie, did you know this? And here's the risk. It destroys Christian community and the way that we love each other. And Jesus taught his brother that the way that you guys will know and the world will know you're my disciples is how you love one another. Well, how do we love each other? With our mouth and with our communication because our hearts are actually purified like Jesus. One of the most difficult things my wife and I ever, my wife and I ever went through was uh, a while ago. I was just trying to start pub theology, and it wasn't always perfect. And uh, we had people that we considered friends that began to gossip about us. I heard about this pub thing, and, and they began to kind of judge my intentions. Well, I think Darren just wants to go to bars and get drunk. In fact, I heard he was drunk. You know what else I heard? I heard that his wife was 
in there. I mean, she might have been drunk too, and I think maybe she's cheating on him. No one ever came to us, people that we thought were friends. Hey, everything okay in your marriage? I kind of heard maybe Julie's cheating on you. You did? No, there was, there was no, there was no conversations with us. There was emails that were sent. I think, I think this is what Darren's about. In fact, I think his wife is unfit for ministry. Here's some things. Send. Some of the most hurtful things we've been through were actually words. Words. Within the Christian community. And my guess is we could all powwow together and all tell a story of a pretty bad wound we have from people that were close to us. They watched your life. They judged your intentions. They talked about it. They didn't use any cuss words. But they gossiped and slandered and cursed your life. See, here's the deal. How does time go that fast? Let's close. That's the situation. That's the power of it. That's the problem of it. The solution is not easy, is not simple, but it's direct. Because you cannot tame your tongue, but Jesus can change your heart. And that's how this actually happens, okay? A couple thoughts. Garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you're putting into your life is coming out. Take some time and see, what am I pouring into my life? Am I watching, reading, and consuming things that are foul, that, 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 that are full of gossip, that are full of slander? Is that what I'm teaching myself in the way I communicate, right? The other part is this, is this. The biggest part I want us to hear is this. Hurting people hurt people. Thank you, Oprah. Okay, I think she said that. And it's true. You have been hurt by people, by their words. You have pain and you have struggle in your life that you don't really want to deal with. You want to know why? Because you're a human being and we don't want to deal with our junk. But until we deal with the junk to that dark place in us and allow Jesus to meet us in the darkness of our heart and say, because this is what Jesus says, listen to this. If you've got a dark place in your heart that needs healed and you're looking back in your life and you go, Darren, I'm not, I'm not happy with it, but I have to be honest, there's a little bit of, 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 there's some wreckage in my past of relationships that have been hurt because of my mouth. Right now, Darren, if I'm honest about it, I'm having some issues with the relationships right around me because of my mouth. The problem's not your mouth or your fingertips. The problem's your heart. And what Jesus says, right? This is what the Bible says, is if you have a problem with your heart, he says this. I'll give you a new one. I'll put my... I'll put a new heart in you and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So if I'm talking today and you say, Darren, I, 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 this, I, I need to do some work. Yeah, you do. We all do. But man, I, I don't know if I want to deal with some of the dark stuff in me. I don't know if I want to go there by myself. Here's another great thing that, that the Bible says. In the Psalm 139, the psalmist says, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If, if, if I flew on the morning's wings to the farthest eastern or western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. 
And then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. And night, I'm immersed in the light. In fact, listen to this. If there's darkness in you, this is what it says. In fact, darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and night, they're all the same to you. If you've got some darkness in your heart that God needs to bring light to, to bring healing to, so that it will begin to manifest itself the way that you speak and treat others, it's time to do that work. If people could pray with you tonight, as we sing these songs, just be honest with God and say, God, you know what? I need you to purify my heart. And then talk to somebody about it, because you might not be able to just figure it out on your own. But the most powerful thing you have in your life is your mouth. And when it's flowing from a purified and renewed heart in God's spirit, it'll be seen in our community. And our community will be seen in this world as one that builds up, as full of grace and truth. Jesus, as we um, take some moments to, to worship you through song, I just pray that you'd minister to the room tonight. God, undoubtedly, there's been words that have been spoken to us through the years that have hurt us. And I pray that we'd have the courage to bring some of that to you and allow you to begin to heal, allow you to be able to uh, to, to renew, to mend. And as a result, I pray that the, the, um, the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will begin to reflect you and your love and your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.